0: I am your host, Brad Roland. It is deep into the night here on Sunday evening into Monday morning on the heels of another loss for the Atlanta Hawks by a final score of 122-101 to 101 at the hands of the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, it was definitely an up and down game in a lot of ways. The first half was kind of a mess, particularly in the first quarter or so of this contest but uh some good encouraging moments along the way for atlanta still um it was not as bad obviously as the game on saturday night um if you missed it i did record a new podcast after the disaster that was saturday night against the clippers um i would not blame you for not listening to that podcast in real time because it was very very late and it was a really bad game but i did i did talk about it so if you want to go back listen to that one please go ahead and do so or just download it if you don't want to listen to it click click uh, click on the button and I, i will definitely appreciate that but uh, play to get to from this Sunday night game in Los Angeles. is definitely a more entertaining game in uh, basically every way. Um, a relatively clean injury report for the Hawks in this game for the first time in a while. Obviously, they're still without Kevin Herter. They're still without John Collins on suspension. Vince Carter missed the entire road trip with personal reasons. But aside from that, everybody else was available in this game. In fact, Chandler Parsons play. We'll talk about that a little bit later on the podcast. But no other injuries, which, which is nice to see. The Hawks, though, were still 14-point underdogs in this contest. And you probably saw why. You know... Honestly, in addition to the Lakers being very good and playing at home at full strength with LeBron and AD in the lineup, um, this is a large spread of the season for the Hawks for a reason because of the fact that, you know, second night of a back-to-back for Atlanta, Lakers on regular rest, um, obviously on the road, the injury absences from um, Hunter and Collins, sorry, Herter and Collins, and um, yeah, long road trip as well, so A lot of things stacked up against the Hawks in this game, and you saw that come to fruition in the opening moments. A 30-6 run by the Lakers to open this game. The Hawks were 2-12 of from the floor with four turnovers in the early going, with three turnovers from from Trey Young as well. Um, The only make for a while, honestly, for the Hawks at the beginning of this game was a bank shot from Jabari Parker at the top of the key that was not intentional, I don't think. Um, That was kind of a microcosm of what happened during that whole run. Some really, really bad transition defense. LeBron James making some great plays couple of just kind of brain dead moments from the Hawks in the early going and 30 to six is just kind of a tidal wave. Um, really the entire trip, the Hawks struggled um, even the game they won. Um, they won in Denver despite going down 12 nothing. They were down 20 to 3 on Saturday night, and then of course 30 to 6 here. So, um, you know, as bad as it possibly could be for, for a uh, seven minute period in this game. In fact, the Hawks, if you were to combine Saturday and Sunday, um, the first seven minutes of Sunday, it was a 180 to 107 spread for 55 minutes of game time. One more, one more time here that's 180 to 107 over 55 minutes of gameplay. And uh, that's just jarring how bad it was early on. Um, It was a little bit unsustainable on both sides. The Hawks weren't going to be that bad offensively, and the Lakers weren't going to be that good offensively either. Um, But still, the damage was kind of done there. Um, To the Hawks' credit, they played quite well after that, actually, outscoring the Lakers for the final, you know, 41 minutes of this game. Um, Not by a ton, but still, it was, you know, 36 was kind of the big difference in the entire game. And uh, that's unfortunate. But again, it was pretty. Pretty decent after that from the Hawks. So um, a very early substitution that I wanted to point out with Evan Turner coming in for Cam Reddish about five minutes into the game. They played Trey Young off the ball a lot more in this game with Evan Turner at the point guard quote-unquote spot. Something to monitor for sure, but Turner's been giving them a new element in some respects that's coming back from the injury during the road trip. Um, Other than that, though, the other positive from the early going was uh, Alan Crabb knocking down some shots. He had nine points um, in, in the first half and was very, very helpful along the way. There was a thirty, uh, sorry, a thirteen o run from the Hawks. Actually, after the Hawks were trailing by a thirty-four nine margin, so it got it got, to, it got to twenty-five, but from there a thirteen o, um, with with Crab knocking down some shots and LeBron leaving the floor crucially. Um Trey did not sit, did not sit for very long as the Hawks were trying to build on that on that um momentum that they had there. The first half the first quarter the the Lakers shot 15 27 with 11 assists in the first quarter and 80 offensive rating for Atlanta. And aside from Crab and a little bit of, of Trey Young, there wasn't too much to talk about offensively that was that was very positive in the first quarter. Um there was a nice another nice push from the Hawks early in the second quarter. A 6-0 run to get the lead back to 10, actually, on a big dunk by Jabari Parker uh, with LeBron on the bench for a long time. The Hawks were plus 13 with LeBron on the bench during that stretch, but as soon as LeBron came back in, it was kind of lights out for a while from the Hawks. Um, there was a nice awakening from Trey Young as well after he had a really shaky start, I thought, to this game. He settled in a little bit, had a nice left, lefty layup, had some nice tra- trademark passes of his um, creating for other people. But after the timeout, um, LeBron came back in, and it was a 19-4 run by the Lakers on cue took up by 25 once again. So um, again, if you're, if you're scoring at home, it was th- it was a 25-point deficit early on. It got all the way down to 10 and then back to 25 in a hurry. Um, part of that was Chandler Parsons coming into the game for his first minutes of his uh, Hawks career. He played two minutes. The, the team was minus 10 in his two minutes. He was not moving well. Just uh, we'll, kind of do, we'll, talk, we'll kind of talk about Parsons right now instead of later on. He was not moving well. His defense was not in a good place. And uh, I think you probably saw why he has not been playing too much. He just, you know, even if he's healthy, quote-unquote, the athleticism and the burst is just not there. Um, I will give it some time. I will, I will I will sort I will try to reserve judgment a little bit on Parsons. But the two minute stretch that we saw was not um, necessarily a positive one. Um, regardless, though, it was a lot about LeBron honestly because uh, when he was on the court in the first half, the Hawk. <laughs> it's kind of a crazy stat. That's why I'm laughing. Um, the Hawks were minus 41, so the Lakers were plus 41 in the 17 minutes that LeBron played in the first half. 17 minutes plus 41, uh, that's one of the craziest, craziest things that I've ever seen. It wasn't like a role player either, that was LeBron actually engineering things. Plus 41 in 17 minutes is just crazy for a half, and uh, yeah, worth pointing that out. Um, Young hit a very deep three late in the first half, but it was all L.A. After that, it was a huge follow-up by Danny Green to probably put an exclamation point on the proceedings at the end of the at the the end of the half. Um, Young had 18 on good efficiency, but other than that, crap had 9, and the offense was kind of sweatering aside from those two guys in the first half. In fact, Atlanta had a 77 offensive rating before halftime. That is awful, obviously. And a 130 defensive rating before halftime, also terrible. 12 turnovers, the Lakers shot 50, 57% from the floor. Yeah, just kind of everything went wrong for Atlanta in the first half. Um, four of the five starters, so basically all four except for Trey Young, combined to only score five points on two of 20 shooting in the first half. That's not a recipe for success under any circumstances, really. And um, yeah, a lot of stats I can throw at you, but... um over a four quarter period so basically the second half in uh, against clippers on saturday and the first half against the lakers on sunday the hawks were outscored by 65 points in a four quarter span um 77 points over six quarters between the lakers between the whole, the whole clippers game and the first half of the lakers game because the hawks were down by 28 at the half and uh you know it was effectively over at that point you know it is worth Again, crediting them as I'm going to do again in a second um, for bouncing back and showing some effort in the second half, but it was over basically at the half. Um, there were some nice moments, though, for the Hawks where it actually became a little bit interesting down the stretch, I will say. Um, a 17-3 to run early on in the third quarter um, behind um, quality performances from the rookies. Um, to get back within 16, it was the best, for my money, the best stretch of Cam Reddish's career, and honestly, kind of undisputably the best quarter of his career in the third quarter of this game. He was, he was actually quite good in that quarter. Also, Hunter... Had a nice sequence where he had a lefty finish at the rim and a three. Um, Damian Jones had a nice corner three during that run as well. So it was, it was not necessarily the big the big guns. Um, it was not Trey Young like doing everything. But for instance, most of the time when the Hawks are making big runs, it's a lot of Trey Young. He was fine. He was out, He was on the court. But um, it was a lot of the guys who were supporting pieces, including the two rookies, that kind of keyed that spurt to get back within sixteen points. The Hawks had it to 12, actually, uh, midway through the third period after a 27-9 to 9 overall run. over a set, That's about a seven-minute period where they kind of just dominated the proceedings. Um, it never felt like the Hawks—this is just me talking now—it never felt like, like, like the Hawks were going to win this game, frankly. But it was 10. The lead was 10. That was as close as they got. Um, they got it to 10 late in the third quarter before a 10-0 run that sort of broke their back at the end of the third period. It was it was probably due because the Hawks um, were just playing quite well and the Lakers were really sputtering um, in the third quarter for the most part. But that ten-zero run was on cue basically from the Lakers to get back to a 20-point margin in the last three minutes the hawks only scored 1 point in the last 244 after the uh sort of the the gas a little bit ran out it felt like which is not a bad thing you know with what they played in the in, for most of the third quarter it was kind of inevitable that it was going to slow down a little bit from there but credit to the hawks for that big time stretch a 27 to 9 run is nothing to sneeze at against the lakers who were still trying at that point in time in the third quarter, uh, Reddish had 11 points again, by far the best quarter of his career so far, particularly offensively. Has nice defensive moments as well, but the Hawks shot 13 of 13 and 24 from the floor. They were quite good in the third quarter. Uh, the fourth, um, you know, a little bit of back and forth. There were some nice moments, but it was more, it was probably more uh, evenly played overall. Back to back threes from Kyle Kuzma to kind of um, put the uh, momentum a little bit back in Los Angeles' favor, going up by 20 again at, for the Lakers. With nine minutes to go and then uh, for my money the dagger in this game was a three by lebron with about six minutes to go to go up by 23 it was probably over before that frankly but um it felt like it was over at that point in time and the final margin was 21 um, not too much to note in particular from the fourth quarter it was kind of just a back and forth around 20 for the most part but in the second half the hawks outscored the lakers and again they outscored the lakers for the for the entire last 40 minutes but the second half um even more clearly so a 60 to 53 outscoring of the Lakers in the second half with 51 shooting, only seven turnovers. You know, most of that was against the Lakers regular lineups. You know, there was a little bit of garbage time late, but that wasn't like the Hawks flurried late in this contest. So, you know, if you want to be an optimist, and I'm trying to present that side a little bit here, after it was 30 to six, the Hawks were pretty good. Um, obviously, you can't get you can't get along with going down 30 to six, and that's kind of the thing about this game is that, you know. This team right now is just prone to these stretches where they're basically just unplayable, and that was one of those stretches. LeBron was incredible in this game; he was plus thirty in a twenty-one point victory. Um, he had thirty-three points, twelve assists, and seven rebounds. He was just ridiculous. But and honestly, Anthony Davis was kind of human in this game, uh, which kind of helped helped the Hawks to um, hang around a little bit. But aside from that, you know, the Hawks didn't play terrible basketball outside of the first seven minutes, but. They all count, all 48 minutes count, and 30-6, uh, you're going to lose You know, 99% of the time when that happens, and it happened in this game. So, you know, plenty to get to here on the individual side of things, but team-wise, the Hawks' offense was not good in this game. They did not score one point per possession. It was slightly under that, uh, despite the 100-point mark being, uh, I guess, exceeded. It was a lot, of, uh, a lot about pace in this game. The offense was not necessarily very good. Um, they shot 43% from the floor, 29% from three. That's not going to get it done a lot of nights for this Hawks team, particularly with, uh, with 19 turnovers as well, when compared to only 16 assists, that's not a good number for the Hawks. Defensively, it was better in the second half to be sure, but still a 120 defensive rating. That's really bad. Um, it was 130 early on, so the second half was uh, encouraging, but The Lakers still shot 53% from the floor, 43% from three, and had 26 assists. Um, So, yeah, a lot of that was LeBron. By the way, LeBron shot 6 of 10 from three. That's not necessarily something you can expect from him. The playmaking stuff was there, and uh, the Lakers are just better. There's there's, there's no surprise there. The Lakers were favored by 14 points um, in this game for a reason. They are better than the Hawks, but... um, just one of those things. The defense was not very good, and the offense did not necessarily keep, uh, keep up in the way that you might expect the Hawks to if they were going to be competitive in this game. So all that said, um, yeah, sort of a tale of two games, uh, and one of them was uh, really, really a blowout on, on favorite Lakers, where the other, I guess the rest of the game was um, at least slightly in favor of the Hawks. So we will come back in a moment, talk about the individual players in this game, so hold on tight. All right, and we're back talking about the individual players in this game. On the bench, it was uh, certainly a mixed bag. Um, Ty Wallace and Charlie Brown got in very, very late in this game. Pretty much pure garbage time. Nothing to really say about either one of those guys um, in the final two and a half minutes or so. Parsons, as I said before, only two minutes, but minus 10. He was really bad in his two minutes. Did not actually record a single stat, just pretty clear about, that his defense was not necessarily ready to go. Bruno Fernando, 13 minutes. He did not play in the competitive portion of the the second half. He played eight minutes in the first half and then played only garbage time in the second. Um, Actually, he had the team's best plus-minus at plus 11. That was not because of him. Um, Bruno wasn't, like, a complete disaster, but it is very clear he has no idea what he's doing sometimes. But four uh, rebounds—sorry, five five, five rebounds and three fouls. He was pretty active, at least. Um, Not always productively active, but he was not terrible— but uh, needless to say, plus minus can be misleading sometimes, and this is one of those spots where he was just on the court during one of the positive runs, not that he was really keying it. Alex Len did not play a ton in this game; not a great matchup for him necessarily, but three points, four rebounds for Len. 15 minutes. I thought he was okay, but uh, you know, not nothing really to shine for him. Bembry, same thing. I didn't think he was terrible, but certainly not his best work. Three turnovers, which were kind of backbreaking in some ways. In 18 minutes, four points and four rebounds. You know, a lot of he probably would have played more if not for Reddish playing well, because you know normally he's the guy that kind of steps in for Reddish when Reddish is struggling, uh, and maybe maybe some more of Evan Turner now as well. But Benbury just didn't have it going in this game, and that's why he didn't play. You would imagine more than he did. Evan Turner, as I said said before, played very well in this game, Um, despite the fact he was minus 19, had some nice moments, 7 points, 2 rebounds, and an assist. Um, Did miss 2 jumpers in pretty ugly fashion that are memorable, but those were his only 2 misses in this game, and obviously he's not a shooter, that's the one thing he really can't do. But defensively, has some nice moments, and offensively, he can at least handle the ball confidently, that allows Trey to go off the ball sometimes, they can create a little bit there, and the theory of Evan Turner does make a little bit of sense when you see it in practice. And then finally, Alan Crabb off the bench, uh, had a nice shooting flurry in the first half with nine points, finished with, finished with 11 points, didn't, didn't play a ton. Um, his, his primary value, really, I don't want to say his only value, but most of his value comes with his shooting. So if he's making shots, it works, and we saw that a little bit in the first half. If he's not, it's kind of tough to play him, but um, there is shooting value with him, and they're going to need his shooting in the future as he gets settled in, and he made two threes that were big shots in this game. To the starters, um, Damian Jones was the quietest starter. 26 minutes, four points, four rebounds, three assists, a steal, and a block. Did not have the same sort of wild wow plays that he had on Saturday night, even in the blowout loss. But uh, I, the corner three, as I referenced before, was actually very nice looking. If you didn't know that Damian Jones was a kind of not, kind of a non-shooter, you would not have known that. It looked good um, on a catch and shoot basis. It's a very small sample, of course. It's only one shot, but uh, you know a nice moment there. Otherwise, he just wasn't that good in this game. He got outplayed a little bit. Of that. By uh by Dwight and maybe even Jabel McGee, um, elsewhere Jabari Parker struggled. I thought in this game he did have four steals, which was a little bit interesting, um, because of the fact that his defense was actually quite bad in this game. Uh, had eleven points. One of those nights where Jabari, it it is very clear, if Jabari does not have it going offensively, it's tough to live with Jabari. Obviously, he's been very, very good offensively so far this season, but when you combine a rough offensive night when he was 5 of 16 from the floor and 0 of 3 from 3, combine that with bad defensive effort for the most part, and it's tough to uh, be too positive about Jabari's play, but the force deals are helpful. He did have a block shot and a couple of nice eye-popping pop, eye plays around the rim for Parker. I wish the effort was a little bit better defensively. I was touting it a little bit early on of the season. I think it's uh, cooled off a little bit here as he settled in um, to a role that's bigger on offense. That's kind of a give-and-take that a lot of guys have when they're now playing bigger roles offensively, and honestly, right now, he's, he's the number two option pretty clearly offensively. So it's not a huge surprise to me. The defense has kind of waned in the absence of Collins when he's playing more minutes. But still, Jabari's going to have to figure out a way to be more productive on defense. Obviously, it's never going to be great. He's not a good defender. Uh, it's just full stop. But it has been better this year than it, ha- than it was in the past. This is not a game that you will that he will want to send into a, uh, a defensive highlight reel, though, because it was not very good from him in this game. Gunnery uh, Hunter in the first half was kind of shaky. The second half was actually quite good, I thought, um, and also came – this goes for Reddish as well. But in the second half, it was uh, encouraging for Hunter. Um, you know, In the entire game, he had 11 points, 3 assists, and 2 rebounds in 34 minutes. He was 2 of 3 from 3. He was 4 of 9 from the floor. So not huge volume in terms of um, his scoring numbers. But uh, after the half, he was 4 for 4, 2 for 2 from 3, and 11 points. So honestly, the entire starting 5 in the second half was positive in, in the plus-minus. quite efficient, honestly. It's just with the the first half, that same group was really bad. So give and take there. But the second half, Hunter was one of the best um, guys on the floor for the Hawks. And it was good uh, good to see him sort of flash that, particularly that one left-handed finish at the rim. That was very, very nice to see from DeAndre Hunter. Same for Reddish, a tail of two halves, to be sure. In the first half, it was not very good, and the full-game numbers do not look good. 5 of 13 from the floor, 1 of 7 from 3. Not going to help his shooting numbers necessarily, but uh, 13 points, 3 rebounds, and 3 steals. And go along with 1 assist and two, and 2 turnovers. In the second half, he was 5 of 10 from the floor. That's much more efficient than he's been so far um, this season uh, overall. And again, th- the third quarter was, uh, if you want to try to find these, the Cam Reddish- package that you want to bottle up for the future, it's that third quarter. He was actually plus 14 in the second half and uh, 13 points after halftime. So, you know, I've been critical of Reddish's offense, to be sure. That's still the case at this point in time. His numbers for the season are uh, really, really bad. But defensively, he's been good, and that third quarter was very encouraging and good to see that from Cam. Finally, Trey Young, 31 points, 7 assists, 2 steals, 3 rebounds, and 8 turnovers for Trey. He was reasonably efficient, 11 of 22 from the floor, 2 of 8 from 3. Seven of eight from the free throw line, so you know thirty-one points on twenty-six shooting possessions is not bad at all. Obviously, pretty pretty effective overall. The turnovers were, were rough. He had eight of them. Uh, there were three in the opening minutes, and they uh, did not really cease in this game. You know, it's kind of funny to say when he had thirty-one points, but Trey was not particularly good for Trey in this game. Um, it wasn't like he was bad by any means. He was the offensive engine by far. He was getting double teamed, etc., cetera, etc. But it's, it's kind of a, a testament to Trey Young, actually, to where I can say he didn't play all that well by his standards to still have 31 points on pretty good efficiency. So that's the new uh, operating procedure with Trey Young. He's going to have games where he doesn't have 31 points, but um, the eight turnovers were a little bit worrisome. I don't worry too much about his turnovers generally, but the, a, couple of, a couple of them in this game were kind of bad offensively though just didn't shoot it that well from the the perimeter but you know credit to him the floater game was definitely working Uh, the passing game was always there and getting to the line eight times that's now become a staple from him uh, which is very very good to see for a small guard who is as crafty as he is and as good of a free throw shooter as he is get to the line a lot of free points there and he can uh, help his efficiency in a big way by doing that so that's enough I think on this game uh obviously the final margin is a bad one um but you know when, when you're 14-1 underdogs and you lose by 21, it isn't the end of the world. I I really wish the Hawks would have responded better early in the game. It was basically a tidal wave, and I, you know they're prone to that as a young team. But uh, you know 30 to six, you, you just can't overcome that. I know they overcame 12 nothing against Denver the other night, but um, as a rule against a good team on the road, you just can't have that kind of lull, and it just came at a bad time. And uh, when when coupled with the uh, game on Saturday, it kind of felt like it was just an avalanche. Um, and I guess to their credit, one more time here on the podcast, um, it is to their credit. and Lloyd Pierce said this as well that they did respond. They did not just get knocked out and lose by fifty again because that seemed like it was possible. At thirty to six, honestly, it felt like they might lose by forty, and that would have been really really rough and really really demoralizing. You have to say, but um, you know, one more time to their credit, they responded, and it, this this was pretty competitive. Down by ten in the second half, um, it was not over, which is uh, very nice when it, from when compared to thirty to six in the first quarter. So. You know, overall, a 1-4 and road trip. I said this on a couple times on the podcast with Sarah Spencer, I think with Chris Kirshner as well. Um, we talked about, you know, sort of the overrunner on wins. I uh, talked about this offline as well before the, before the trip began. I think the over under was 1.5. They got one. Um, Pierce even said after the game in his interview that was aired on Fox Sports Southeast that, you know, they, they could have stole the one in Portland for sure. I totally agree. That was a game they pro- the Hawks probably should have won. Um, Denver didn't play that well, but they won that game on the road. You know, I think the true result of this trip was probably one and a half wins. Um, They could have gotten one in Portland. They could have lost the game in Denver. I think that, you know, two and three would have been reasonable. One and four is reasonable as well. And, uh, you know, that's not a disaster. I know it doesn't feel great right now to be four and nine if you're a Hawks fan. But when you factor in the absences of Collins and Herter, four and nine is not a disaster by any means. And the schedule has not been terribly forgiving, particularly on this trip. Because, you know, even as much as Portland is struggling, the last four games, you go to Denver, you go to Phoenix, and they're playing well. And then these, this, this back-to-back in Los Angeles is, is as brutal as it gets. Obviously, Kawhi not playing on Saturday is one small caveat, but... Playing two of the top five teams in the league uh, and doing it in their building back-to-back nights—it's just kind of brutal. And uh, one and four on the trip—it's not a—it's not a bad result. As, so, as much as that sounds like I'm conceding a little bit, uh, two and three would have been a really, really good—a really good result. One and four is not a good result, but it's not a bad one either. So there you go on that. We'll have plenty more. The Hawks do not return to action until Wednesday. They get some much-needed um, rest and, recuper- and recuperation um, after this brutal stretch of games. But Wednesday, Milwaukee comes to town. That's Giannis, and uh, that'll be a tough one to be sure or for Atlanta, despite the fact that they'll be back at home, so I'll be in the building for that one. We'll have at least one more podcast between now and tip off on Wednesday. I'm not sure which day might might even have two podcasts, but definitely at least one between now and tip off. So please subscribe to the podcast. Please tell a friend about the show. If you missed anything from this week, we were jam packed. We did a, I did a podcast seven straight days, um, including a couple visits from Chris Kirchner of the Athletic and Sarah Spencer of the AJC. So if you if you if you want if you want to, uh, I guess not necessarily go back and listen to game recaps, but you can do that. Please, I, you're encouraged to do that. But the those two conversations were fun. They were more big picture in some ways. So go back and listen to those. Subscribe to the podcast and we'll see everybody next time.